This is a true story that I read about a few years ago. And there was a, uh, some kids, they were on a school field trip. And they were at a school field trip to the Detroit um, Institute of Art. So it is an art museum, okay, where they have lots of really expensive paintings. And the kids were told, you better be on your best behavior, no goofing around. But one of the boys, he was a 12-year-old boy on this trip to the, the, art, in, the art museum. He was chewing gum, okay, and he decided that he didn't want his gum anymore. And so he took his gum out and he stuck it on a painting. He put it on the painting. This painting that he put it on uh, was a painting called The Bay by Helen Frankenthaler. This actually happened. Uh, the painting was valued, this was a $1.5 million painting that this kid decided to stick his gum to this. Uh, the kid was suspended from school. They had to use uh, special chemicals and figure out what they were going to do to try to clean this painting off uh, after this boy stuck his uh, gum to it. And it left about a stain of residue about the size of a quarter that was on this painting. Uh, this is not the way you're supposed to treat a valuable work of art. Okay, so keep that in mind, because this year, the kids at VBS, they learned uh, truth about God's masterpiece. This masterpiece of creation that God made. And you think, well, there could be a lot of things that could be. Uh, there's a lot of beauty in this world. You wake up and you, you see the sunrise or the sunset. There are beautiful mountains. There's beautiful uh, places. In Australia, there's all kinds of beauty in this world. Maybe you've been enjoying some of the images that have been coming back from the, the James Webb Space Telescope. And it's just amazing to see God's creation and the uh, splendor, beauty, all he's created. But the ultimate thing that he created, the ultimate masterpiece that God created isn't any one of those things. The Bible talks about this, the high point of God's creation that God made on, on day six in creation. and talks about this in the book of Genesis. And this is one of the, the key verses that we have been looking at all week is this. From Genesis 1.27 says, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God he created him, male and female, he created them. So God created human beings. When it talks about man here, it's not just talking about boys. It means all of us, mankind, humankind. That God created us. God created you in his image. And we've been talking about that all week. And that's the first point I want to uh, have us think about is that, that God created you in his image. Think about everyone, but you, you have been created in the image of God. You think, well, what, is this, what does this mean to be created in the image of God? To, what does it mean to be an image of something? So I was thinking about that, and I thought, well, I have something here. This would, this would be an image, okay, or a likeness. So I have here, this is a, uh, um, well, it's a, uh, originally a painting, okay? Anybody know who this is? Maybe you know, it's, it's, it's actually, it's not Jesus, just to, just to let you know. I know that's usually like the church answer, it's Jesus. No, this actually happens to be a king of England. This is actually King Richard. So anyone here named Richard? This is King Richard I, King Richard the Lionhearted, okay? And so, well, actually, this isn't King Richard the Lionhearted. Okay, because King Richard Lionheart has been dead for a while. This is a likeness. This is an image 
of King Richard the Lionhearted that somebody painted to try and make it look like how King Richard the Lionhearted looked. But it's not actually him, but it's, it's kind of like him. It resembles him. Uh, he's a little bit skinnier here. Uh, but this is a way that we can kind of know what it is. So we think about what does it mean to be God's image. Part of what it means is that, that you were created with a resemblance to God, that you are like God, the, the creator in some ways. Now, does this mean that you look like God? Well, that's where it's a little bit different. No, it doesn't mean that. I heard somebody say that. Good. Uh, when we talk about being created in God's image, it's not how you look. Because remember, when God created us, I mean, God didn't have a, a, a body, okay? It's, he doesn't have eyes that are a certain color. Um, later on, the Son of God, Jesus, would take a human body so that he would become fully God and fully human, so that he could live a perfect life in our place, and so that he could die on the cross in the place of sinners like you and me. So, I mean, later on, Jesus, who is God, became a human being. But when God created Adam and Eve, when he created in the beginning, uh, God is spirit. It means he doesn't have a body. So when we're created in the image of God, it doesn't mean that we look like him, but we're like him in some other ways. And it's interesting to think about what would some of those ways be. And it might be a part of it. I think a big key is that to remember why he created us. And he created us for his glory and part of that is for us to have a relationship with him, to know him, to know what he's like, and to have a, a close relationship with God so that we can treasure him, we can enjoy him, we can appreciate him, and how awesome that he is. And so, now this painting, this painting can't talk, this painting can't think, uh, it's just, it's just a, a painting. And even if it was a statue, even if it was three-dimensional, it wouldn't be able to do that. So God created us in his image in a different way. He created you with a, with a mind. You're, you're rational. You can, you can think. You can be aware of things. You can know God. You can have a relationship with him. And there's probably a bunch of other things that are part of it as well, too. God created, when he made Adam and Eve in the beginning, he made them, they were, they were upright. They were righteous. They had a righteousness to them so that they could be with a God who is righteous. He also created them to, uh, to represent him in the world and, to, and to, to rule this world. He created them, it says, to have dominion over this land. And so God is the ultimate king, but he created us to represent him and to do his work in ruling in this world. And that's a really, it's a big deal. So all these things, so we can relate to him. Now, also, like I said, sometimes kings would take an image of themselves if they had like a big domain, you know, a vast land, and they rule not just at their castle, but far away too, in different places where they are, they would have images or likenesses of themselves, maybe a painting, or maybe, especially in the olden days, a statue, and they would put it in different parts of their kingdom to show, I reign here. And think about that. I think that's probably part of what God was doing as well too, that he created you and I in his image to show not just that we reign, it's not about us, but that, that he reigns here in this world by putting his image bearers kind of everywhere. And if we're created in the image of the king, that is a big deal. I mean, that should impact how we think about ourselves and how much your, your worth, your dignity, and your value. I want you to think about this. Let's say that, uh, let's say King Richard you know, back in the day of, this is the days of, you know, knights in the Middle Ages. And he had one of his uh, paintings that was hung 
uh, somewhere in part of the realm, and there was a town person that came by and, you know, decided to, uh, to you know, draw glasses on him. And then, you know, to, you know, mess up his face and draw things and, um, you know, write, you know, word bubbles on here like, I smell bad, and different things. What if somebody, one of the guards caught the person doing this to the image of the king? What do you think would happen to them? I think they'd probably end up in the dungeon, maybe, or, or uh, maybe even worse, you know, depending how the king was feeling. It would be a bad thing. And I think that's something that's important for us to remember, too. Think about this. You are not just created in the image of some earthly king. I mean, that would be cool if, if you, like, actually were, like, look like, you know, a, a king of England. But no, it's even better than that. You are created in the image of the king of kings, the one who is lord of all, the one who is the creator. And that means that also everyone else is, too, that your neighbor, your brother, your sister. And the reason that if you you know, drew glasses and you messed up this, you would end up in the dungeon is because to, to disrespect the image of the king is to disrespect the king. Okay? If you disrespect the image of the king, you disrespect the king. So I want you to think about that. If it's true that you are created in the image of the king, and if it's true that your brother, your sister, uh, friends at school, even the person that annoys you the most, okay, they're created in the image of the king. That should, if you know that and you believe that, then that should change how you treat other people. Because they are created in the image of the king of the universe that you know that you love. And to disrespect other people, to disrespect them, it's not just disrespecting them, but you're disrespecting the king that made them and made them in his image. So it's a big deal to, to know and remember that you're created in the image of God. This gives every one of us, it gives us dignity, it gives us value, it gives us worth for you and for everyone. No matter your size, no matter your shape, no matter your color, no matter how old you are or young you are, okay, everyone from the little tiny baby in, in uh, mom's belly to the oldest person created in the image of God with dignity and with value and with lots and lots of worth. And I'll tell you, this is where you can find your identity. Because so many people, they're trying to find what, what makes me important, what's my identity? And they're looking to other people to try and find their identity and, and their value. But if you find your identity and your worth in relationship to God, then you don't have to find it in what other people think or what other people say. And you don't have to worry what they think because what really matters is that you are created in the image of God and valuable like that. So that's the first point. The second point I want to remind ourselves of is this. And again, this is from Genesis 127. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. But then notice this last part. It says male and female, he created them. So I want to point this out. God created you in his image as male or female. And that both are created in the image of God. Okay? Boys are created in the image of God. Girls are created in the image of God. We're all created in God's image. And God created you as, as one or the other. God created Adam first, according to the Bible, and then he created Eve. So you had the first man, you've had the first woman. And this verse is telling us that both 
uh, both the boys and the girls are created in the image of God. You know, being created uh, as a male or a female, that means as a boy or a girl, you know, this is something that is uh, just wired into every part of your body. It really is. We know this from, well, from the Bible, and we know it also from science, too. This is something, the way that God created us, being a male or female, okay, being a boy or a girl, it's not about, it's not determined by what your favorite color is. I mean, that doesn't make you a boy, or that doesn't make you a girl. I mean, different people have different favorite colors, and you could change your mind about that. It's not determined by, you know, what toy you like to play with, uh, or it's not uh, determined uh, even by how you, how you feel, it's actually determined, it's built into every cell in your body. It's part of your, your DNA. I mean, we learned a little bit about DNA this week. You know, on, this, on the logo here for, for VBS, for, for Zoomerang, it has, it has this. And it's like, what is that? And that's actually a, a picture kind of, of what DNA looks like. Although DNA is so small that it fits inside every one of every cell in your body. Those are the smallest little parts of your body. And each cell you can't even see without a microscope. But your DNA is in there, or wrapped up in the nucleus of your cell. And DNA is, it's amazing. It looks like this. It looks like a ladder that's twisted around. And that would just be part of it. DNA, and like I said, it's in every cell in your body. Uh, but if you took it out it, just from one cell and you unraveled it, it would be about six feet long. But it's all, like, tightly folded together. And DNA is amazing. There's actually so much DNA. If you took all of your DNA strands from every cell in your body, it would reach to the moon and back 150,000 times. It's amazing. And what the DNA, it's really, it is very much like computer code. On each of these rungs of the ladder is actually code that tells uh, your body how to grow. And so when you were in your mom's uh, tummy and you were just, you know, just like starting off, you had all the information there in, that was built in, designed into your body to know how to grow and how to form arms and legs and organs and different things. And all the information told you what kind of uh, eye color you'd have, what kind of hair color. And all of these different things, it's amazing. So much information. There was actually one of the most famous uh, atheists in the last hundred years was a guy named Anthony Flew. And at, uh, towards the end of his life, uh, as he was, st- I mean, just a renowned atheist, quoted in textbooks all the time, and it, he ended up uh, changing his mind. And I even wrote a, read a book that he wrote uh, where he talked about he changed his mind and realized that there has to be a God. And a big thing that convinced him of this was he studied DNA. And he realized that information uh, just can't, the way that it's there, it can't get there by chance. It can't get there just by accident or some kind of just accidental processes. And he concluded, okay, I was wrong all these years. There has to be a God because this information that is, I mean, the information in one strand of DNA would fill up, you know, several, you know, volumes of encyclopedias, like whole bookshelves. It's just amazing. And so this is in each of our cells and uh, of your body, and it's grouped in what's called chromosomes. And I'm not going to get into all the science here, but really there's some that determine if you're, if you're uh, a boy or a girl. Because everyone gets from their parents 
Uh, you get half of your chromosomes from your mom, you get half of them from your dad. And if you, there are two that are called X and Y, and if you get an X and an X, one from your mom, one from your dad, if you get an X and an X, you are a girl. But if you get an X and if you get a Y that's from your dad, then you are a boy. So again, it's not determined by how you feel. It's not determined by your favorite color. It is, it is built into us, and this is by God's design. And we know this from science as well. So God, when he made you, a boy or a girl, he didn't make a mistake. But, you know, here's a big question. Big age-old question. I know this week we've been, you know, you've been battling it out, weighing on the scales, who's going to win the penny wars? And you're wondering who's going to win this at the end. Here's a big question. Who is worth more, boys or girls? Who is more valuable, boys or girls? So we're going we're gonna to figure this out today. We're going to determine this and figure this out. So we have the scale here. And so I would, uh, I would like uh, Pastor Nick and Ashley they could come up, and we're going we're to determine this once and for all. I was afraid to ask. I don't know if I want to ask, like, who, what, you know, your kids to cheer for. Uh, it's probably not a good idea. <clears throat> and we'll have to find out, you know, it's, is it based on, um, you know, uh, what makes someone more valuable? Is it, it uh, girls? Is it boys? Is it about who grows faster? Is it about who's stronger? Is it about who's prettier, who sings better? I don't know. But Nick and Ashley, in the buckets, we took the pennies out because they're counting them. They have something in the buckets that is going to represent uh, the truth of how valuable girls are and how valuable boys are. We're going to find out right now who wins, who is more valuable. So, ready? Three, two, one, let's go. Well, look at that. It turns out that girls and boys are equal in their dignity, in their value, and their worth. And we know that from the Bible. So, wait a second. So, Ashley, show us in there, what is it that gives girls their worth? God's image. God's image. They're creating the image of God. So, Pastor Nick, what is it for the boys that determines their level of worth? (laughs) <laughs> the boys have lost the image of God. <laughs> hey, thank you, Nick and Ashley. Appreciate that. But yeah, that's the truth of it, and that's an important thing to remember. It doesn't mean that we look the same. It doesn't mean that we do the same things. There's, there's differences between being a boy and a girl, but the Bible teaches boys and girls, males and females, both created in the image of God. And so both equal in value and in worth. So we've, we've determined that uh, with our experiment here as well. Um, it's good to be a boy and it's good to be a girl. And God didn't make a mistake when he made you. He made you according to his design and his plan. And it's great to just be who God made you as because God doesn't make mistakes. So, we have that, the last point I want to have. We think about this. God created us in his image. And again, why did God create us? And ultimately, it's all for his glory. But another way we think about it too, and a way that we glorify God, is God created us, God created you in his image so that you could have a relationship 
with him forever. So that you could know him, you could have a relationship. God is the most awesome being that there is. Think of all the things that you could want to do and spend time with. If the more that you understand who God is and you see him and how wonderful he is, you realize that he's better than any video game, he's better than any food, he's better than anything you could be doing. God is the ultimate awesome treasure. And he created us so that you, he created you so that you could have a relationship with him forever. And that is an awesome, awesome thing. But there's a big problem. And we need to talk about this. There's a big problem that happened. God created Adam and Eve. He created them good. They were uh, created righteous. Everything was good. And God told them, you can eat of any tree in the garden, but don't eat of this one tree, tree of the knowledge of of good and evil. And he says, if you eat of this the day you eat of it, you're going to die. And they were tempted and they gave in and they did what they, what they knew they shouldn't do. They rebelled against God. And so God had, in creation, everything was good. But then what happened in Genesis 3, you can read about it, is what's called the fall. And so when Adam and Eve, when Adam sinned, mankind fell into sin. So we're created in the image of God. But then when humanity, when mankind, we rebelled against God, we fell into sin. And not only did we fall into sin, okay, but something happened to us. We fell in sin, and we have never been the same again. We are this, uh, this awesome, good-looking, ideal, righteous image of God, but when we fell into sin... We end up getting, getting marred by sin. We end up getting changed, soiled. So now, according to the Bible, still in the image of God. That's the important part. Got to remember that. But it's not the same as it was before. Yeah, you're disappointing, isn't it? This thing that was a masterpiece, this thing that was, it was so nice and represented the king, and look what's happened to it. It's covered with sin, it's been, it's been marred, it's been changed. And when mankind, when humans, when we rebelled against God and we did all the things that we, we shouldn't do, this is what happened. And it started off when Adam and Eve, when they sinned. And so this is the Bible tells us, first, God created us perfect. We fell into sin. It was kind of our doing. We got ourselves like this. And this is the big problem that the whole Bible is about fixing this. It's about saying, well, what is God going to do? Is he going to say, well, this is worthless. I'm done with it. Or is he going to say, you know what? This is, this is my masterpiece. I created this. And you know what? And it's even of me. And I got a plan. I got a plan to deal with this. But first we need to realize, yeah, this is the problem that we're in. And so we could say it this way, that mankind rebelled against God and now the image of God is marred by sin. Marred means it's, it's messed up, it's stained. And guess what? There's no way we can fix it. Okay? There's no way that... Uh, 
we can fix that and, and unmar this. I want to talk about some verses in the Bible that talk about this, that talk about, well, think about what does it mean that to, for us to be marred by sin? I mean, it doesn't just mean when we have mud on ourselves, but we are stained, we're stained by sin, we're affected, you know, by this. And there's a lot of different things that it does mean. Uh, God said the day that you, they, Adam and Eve, the day that they sinned, that they would die. And they didn't actually die that right day, but they started to die. You know, their bodies started to um, lead towards death. You know, and that's why we have today, we have sickness. We have eventually you get old and things stop working and, and you die. And sometimes it happens even way too soon from our perspective. And it wasn't meant to be like that, but it's part of the effects of being marred by sin. It affects our thinking. We don't even think the way that we should. You know, our, our brains are clouded and we, we think really goofed up things. And we think of so many things even in this world being like upside down. People look at things that are right and they say, well, that's wrong. Or they think of, look at things that are good and say, that's evil. Or things that are evil and they say, well, that's good. Our thinking is messed up. Because also our desires are messed up. Our hearts are messed up because of sin. It affected us. So now, instead of loving the things that we ought to love, we love sinful things. We love awful things. Because sin has affected all of us. One verse in the Bible that talks about this is Romans 3.23. It says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. This means that everyone is a sinner. That means that I have sinned. That means that you have sinned. Your mom and dad, your brother and sister, everyone has sinned. We all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We love the wrong things. We do the wrong things. We're all stained. You know, this happened first with Adam and Eve. And think about this, Adam was created in God's image, okay, and Eve too. And all of us that come after Adam, we're also stained because of his sin too. We sin, but we also are stained like this. Think about this, if you had this and you made a copy, a perfect copy of this picture now, what would it look like? Would it look like it did originally? You'd have a perfect copy of a muddy, marred picture, whether you photocopied it or took a picture or repainted it. And really, that's kind of what has happened through the years. Adam was the first one, and, that, uh, and we come after him. You know, when we talk about mankind, the name Adam actually means man. So when we say mankind, it just, it's not just talking about boys. It's talking about everyone that is of the same kind as Adam. And because we are all of the same kind as Adam, we come as copies of a marred picture like this. So that's a big problem. But you know, the, and the ultimate problem is broken relationships. We have broken relationships with each other. That's why there's so much fighting in the world. We have broken relationships with us and just the, the planet and nature. And most importantly, we have a broken relationship with God. The God that made you and we're separated from him because of our sin. So, we have to ask ourselves again, does God just say, well, I'm done with this, I don't care anymore, it's, it's, it's ruined, and uh, just, uh, I don't care. No, he didn't. Just like that boy that put the uh, piece of um, gum on the, that painting, you know, they didn't just throw it away and say it's, it's worthless. It was still a million and a half dollar painting. And so they went to great effort to, we're going to try and restore this, we're going to try and clean it. But that's actually not what Jesus did first. There's something else he had to do first. Because really, we're like a painting that has been covered with mud and, and then somebody just threw it in the, in the trash and it got taken to the dump. 
And so the first thing Jesus had to do was to, to buy us back from the dump. And so Jesus uh, came and he lived a perfect life. He died on the cross. He gave his, his blood. He died for us to buy us back, to redeem us. And this, listen to this part because this is so important. What he did not do, he did not say, you clean yourself up first and then I'll love you. He did not say, it is up to you to get yourself clean and then I'll save you. And so the Bible tells us this, Romans 5, 8, but God showed his love for us, okay, his love for you, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That while you're still looking like this, while we're still covered in mud, is when Jesus went to the cross to pay for our sins. Jesus is the only one that, he is not covered with mud. He lived a perfect life. And he came into this world born of a virgin, unstained by sin. And so he died in the place of sinners. And that's an amazing thing. So the first thing, he bought us back at a great price while we were still stained with our mud. But then there is something. There's, it doesn't mean that automatically everyone has a relationship fixed with God. Because God calls us to have faith, to trust in him. We need to respond to him. One of the verses that the kids learned this week was John eleven twenty five. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet he shall live. And so this isn't just talking about the story of Lazarus being raised from the dead, but this is talking about being restored to spiritual life, being forgiven of your sins. And the way that we're forgiven of our sins isn't by cleaning ourselves off. We can't do that. There's no way we can scrub ourselves clean. But instead, it's by trusting you personally, putting your trust in Jesus Christ, the Lord, as your substitute, believing that he went to the cross to take away your sin. And so you can be forgiven by grace. That means it's a free gift. You don't earn for it. You don't earn it. You can't clean yourself up. It it, It doesn't work like that. But God saves you. And so uh, Jesus goes on and he asks the woman, he says, do you believe this? I want to ask, do you believe it? Or are you in denial? Do you think, well, I'm, I'm not covering with mud, I'm just fine. Or are you in denial saying, well, you know what, I, I think I can get myself clean and, and then God will love me. You know, that's a dead end, that's not going to work. Instead, you've got to just put your trust in this offer. Receive the offer that Jesus gave that he died on the cross in your place. And when he did, he did everything that's required for you to go to heaven if you receive that gift from him. And it's available to you. It doesn't matter if you feel like you're the most messed up person, uh, not only in this room, but on the planet. Jesus came to die for sinners, really messed up sinners like me and you. So there's that. But then Jesus saves you. He forgives you of all your sins. And then something happens. And then the Holy Spirit comes in your heart and then he starts to change you from the inside out. One last verse, Colossians 3.10. says, And we have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. So God doesn't just leave us like this. He, at the beginning, um, he saves us while we're still like this. He loves you enough to save you and to die for you while you're still like this. But he loves you enough that he's not going to leave you like this. He's going to start the process of of slowly cleaning away and chipping away and and restoring, actually even better than before, to the image of, uh, not just even of Adam, but the image of Jesus Christ, who is the perfect image of God. 
And so that's God's destiny for you. That's his desire for you, is to be restored eventually. And it's, it starts in this life, the moment that you trust Jesus as your Savior, but it's, it goes on all life. We're never going to get perfectly cleaned up in this life, but there's going to be progress. But it's not that God cleans you up so that he can love you. God loves you first and saves you and forgives you. And then because he does love you, he works to help from the inside out to clean you, to change you from the inside out, to restore you into his image. And so you have that message of the Bible. Creation, God created you perfect in his image. Fall, we've fallen into sin. Redemption, Jesus died on the cross so that you could have salvation. It's a free gift. You receive it by faith alone. And at the end, Jesus returns. The work will be finished. And you will be restored even better than before to have a relationship with this awesome God forever and ever. So yeah, being created in the image of God, it's a really important thing. I'm glad the kids were able to learn about this week, and I hope we all learn about that and have it shape our lives. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you so much that you created each of us, every person here, every boy, every girl, every mom, every dad, every grandma and grandpa, cousin, uncle, that you have created us all in your image, and you want to have a relationship with us. And Lord, we acknowledge that we too, we have fallen into sin and we have done things that are wrong. But we thank you that you love us so much that Jesus Christ, who is the God-man, that he came to rescue us. That Jesus was unstained by sin and he lived a perfect life in our place. And that he died on the cross in our place so that anyone that puts their trust fully in him, can be forgiven and have eternal life forever and ever with you. Thank you that you loved us even while we were still sinners. And thank you that after you forgive us, you help us to start to become renewed to the image of Jesus Christ. We love you and we praise you. Keep being at work in our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.